your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready. For your positive imprint. Hello, everybody. This is Catherine, your host of Your Positive Imprint. <laughs> I am sitting here with a man, a fellow who goes way back. Well, I shouldn't say way back, but more than a decade. A pretty good while back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we work together. His name is Ryan Denmark, and he's actually in the entertainment industry. That I am. And by the way, listeners, we are sitting here. In New Mexico, he's out here visiting, so we've had the opportunity to catch up. And we're sitting here at Elena Gallego's picnic ground. We just finished a gigantuous meal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sitting here at the picnic grounds, and the mountain is behind us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely gorgeous. It's a beautiful day. It is. Yeah, and it's so fabulous to have caught up with you mm -hmm. and all of your doings. I don't think I've ever shared with you. Of course, I wasn't doing your positive imprint back then, but Ryan, you have been an amazing positive imprint for me. And you don't remember because it was just something that you did. We were working on a film together and I don't remember which film because we did, I don't know, five films together or so. Did we, did we work on that many films together? Yeah, we did. The first one we worked on together was most likely to succeed, right? It was no. a short, was it not? Oh, did we meet on the shootout before we, that? Yeah. We guns, uh, guns on the guns table. on the table. Oh, do you, you want guns? That's how we knew each other. That's how we. Yep, that's guns on the I table. Guns oh on my the table. goodness! Yeah, that would. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was a while back. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, we've we've done a few, but I was so enthralled with the editing. I mean, I was I was script supervisor, mm -hmm. and I knew that job. But I would watch you editing, and you let me sit down and kind of over your shoulder and look to see what you're doing. You know, when we were looking over the dailies. Mm -hmm. And wow, that was inspiring because you actually showed me some of the things you can do to make or break just a family movie that you're putting together. Mm -hmm. So I started putting together family videos. I bought some of the software that you had talked about, mm. which doesn't exist today. It's yeah. you know, outdated. <laughs> There's new things out there. Yeah. But I got my Mac, you know, an Apple and have done that. And then I did a whole bunch of. Uh, films for the students at the school using all of the techniques that you taught me. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's an amazing, that's amazing to hear. That's great. <laughs> <Whoa. Well>, Literally. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm always glad like when, when somebody says that, uh, you know, if I, I, if I got them going in the film industry at all and they look back on that as a good decision and something fun, then I'm, <laughs> I'm happy because it can very often go the other way. <laughs> so, yeah, with people. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got me going as script supervisor. Yeah. I mean, I was already script supervisor. I was assigned. Uh -huh. uh, as script supervisor to your film mm -hmm. when it was, oh, I guess it was, a, was that one a competition? Do you remember? Guns on the Table? Uh, yeah, that was the first year of what was, it eventually became the Duke City Shootout, but it was called something else at that point. It was like the- Flicks on 66. Flicks on, Flicks on yeah, 66. Flicks yeah, Flicks on 66. And that, that was the first year of the festival, I remember. And uh, so, yeah, I think there were like 10 films in competition that year. Yeah, and I was I was an editor that year and uh i was assigned to your film yeah yeah that was yeah that was a that was the beginning of a big that that whole festival was a big thing for me too because eventually that's how i would meet barry brown and, and kind of start my career in new york likely yeah yeah well your inspiration <laughs> it kind of <laughs> as my husband would sometimes say it opened up a can of financial worms because we bought <laughs> new software we bought new computer wow. the whole thing but the movies yeah. have been great and i've I've kept up with it and I 
went on to do script supervision for uh, other folks. But working with you was always fantastic. Oh, that's great. That's and, good. That's good. Oh, yeah. And I'm so, glad we've been able to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. It's fine. You're blowing my mind a little bit because now because I'm, I'm trying to remember through what other projects we probably worked on together. Did we work a lot on the festival together? We did. Yeah. We okay. did. The only genre I've never, ever worked on, and I really would like to work on one of those, is horror. Okay. And you do a lot of horror now. Yeah, a bit, a bit here uh, and there. Yeah, yeah. And My brand of horror is, is a, a softer, gentler brand of horror than yeah. some would probably like. Oh, but, yeah. we'll talk about one of them, which I just absolutely love. It was one of my absolute favorites. I played it for a long time. I mean, I just kept playing it. But one of my favorites of yours is Plush. Plush. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, plush. I, did you win with Plush? Uh, was it Seattle? Plush, well, I, yeah, it, it, it won some awards at various festivals. Plush was in a lot of festivals. It was in like 27 festivals or okay. something around the country. It was by, by far in terms of the amount of play it's gotten around the world. It's certainly been my most successful project of the things that I've directed. Oh, really? In that way, you know, I've, I've had feature films at the Edinburgh Film Festival, and that's certainly a level of, of success that's been great. But, but yeah, Plush was at Seattle, uh, was probably the biggest festival that it was at. And it was, but it's been, it was at, a multitude of festivals and probably won six or seven, you know, best, best in show kind of, you know, awards. So, but yeah, that, that always has a special place <laughs> in my heart, that film. And we still, to this day, you know, Jason Witter and I, who I co-wrote that with, uh, you know, we're still working on trying to have greater life for that project, either as a, Oh, well, as good a, luck with that. I either as a feature film or, or potentially as a part of a, a, a TV series. So. Oh, it's fantastic. It makes yeah. me think of all of the times when I played with my little stuffed animals and mm -hmm. thought, oh my gosh, what if? Yeah. So listeners, you've got to Google Plush and Ryan Denmark and you watch the video, but they can go to your Vimeo. I yeah, think, if you go it? to the easiest thing to do is to go to thirdstarfilms.com, third spelled out, and you'll see links to all of my films there, including Plush, which will then link you out to the video. Yeah, yeah. loved them. Well, unfortunately, you had to leave our wonderful New Mexico yes. and head out, but you went to to New York. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. Keeping it new. <laughs> and you had such a rich life out there in editing. You were working with Spike Lee, mm -hmm. Barry Brown. Mm -hmm. You had a little bit of work on Inside Man mm -hmm. and lots and lots of different projects. But let's before we talk about your projects, let's just talk about what, you know, your positive imprints as you've gone through life, you already know that you were an imprint, a great positive imprint on me. So, Ryan, I want to go kind of back to the mm -hmm. beginnings of your positive imprint as an editor, as a filmmaker, as well, as my friend. Mm -hmm. But why, first of all, what got you started in this industry? Well, for me, uh, it's such a I mean, it goes back to, I mean, my parents really, honestly, what I think of the beginning of my my love of storytelling probably has to just go all the way back to playing with my sister, to tell you the truth, yeah. when we were kids. And like, you know, because you, you make up stories and you play with your toys and you create these universes. I mean, we world built like, you know, things around our toys and we didn't just go with the stories that we were given by the toy creators. We created our own little universes and and, you know, it's and I think that that's the the seeds of creativity and anybody that that's, you know, an actor or a writer or working in creativity, you're always trying to get back to that sort of pure sense of play in some way and then crafting it from there. But, you know, if you lose that sense of play, then it it's it makes everything more difficult, I think. And so but in any event, I my parents, even when I was a little kid, 
they always had computers around the house. Like we had a Texas instrument, you know, computer in the early eighties and I was always able to use them. And I thought I was going to go into computers, uh, all through my young life. And when I went to UNM, I started in computer science and it just wasn't the taking those classes just weren't feeding a creative need that I had myself. I took a film class, a couple film classes uh, at UNM and just instantly it just clicked. I could, I, even for my first editing class, I just had a facility with it. It felt very natural and I just understood it in a way. I changed my major in my freshman year and that started me down that road. And it was just one opportunity after another that, that led me to my career. But it was a lot of baby steps. It's a lot of baby steps. Well, I'm glad you took those baby steps and then mm. continued <laughs> on with, with running full force into this career. Mm. And what did you have internships that helped you here or did those exist? No, I my path really randomly was I I didn't know what I, I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker, but I didn't know how to do it. And and this was in the kind of early mid mid nineties or so. And it was before you know UNM had a you know, the media arts department, which is really a history and criticism program, but the production wasn't what wasn't really geared towards a career in filmmaking in the way that I think exists now in New Mexico. So I didn't really know where to go or what to do. And eventually I was going to transfer to San Francisco State, which had a film program that I thought and my parents are from San Francisco. So I just kind of wanted to go there. And I was going to go as an undergrad and I ran, I was working for a, I was working for a temp office company. And one day they called me and I randomly picked up the phone and they sent me to do some filing at a company called Sycor. And Sycor, one of the things they did is they resold digital editing systems, which were fairly new at the desktop level at that point. Like you, you know, this is before you could just edit on a Mac, you, you know, it took a little bit more hardware than that. And they were reselling these things, but they didn't have anybody to demo the software. And I had never used a nonlinear editing system at that point. I'd only used like tape, v, like VHS tape to VHS tape to style editing at UNM. And uh, I just taught myself this because I had this background in computers. I taught myself the software and I kind of became their sales Good guy. For you. And then through demoing software around town, I met people that were doing video production and and sold systems to them, but they weren't necessarily as as uh, capable with the systems as I was. So eventually, I ended up becoming a freelance editor, editing for the people who I had sold systems <laughs> to already. And uh, and I did that in New Mexico for a while, and then eventually, uh, what happened was, as since I had this reputation, one of the guys that that I had sold a system to, or I had, or I had met through through doing these computer sales, was uh, Tony De La Flora who was one of the mm-hmm. the founders of the Flicks on 66 right. festival that would then go on. So when when that started up, I was one of the editors that came to and I helped, you know, coordinate uh, uh the first year was kind of a technical disaster and at the last minute I helped them kind of find editing systems and facilities to get all the films cut in the end. And, oh, uh, really? Yeah, that's I a whole. Know that. Oh, yes, yes. So there's a whole story. You can that tell must there. have been quite stressful was, because we only had ten days. Yeah, and they they had initially. I can't even remember the name of the company. They initially made some agreement with some software, uh, some some software company that had some self contained editing box that just didn't work. And they tried tried it for the first few days, and it was just a disaster. And literally in the middle of the festival, we had to go out and find ten facilities. You know, ten people that owned editing systems that were willing to to do this, and I had some contacts with a number of them. And if you remember when we cut 
uh, we had to go when we cut it, else. we were in an office. That was yep. Cycor's office. That was that they allowed oh, okay. us to cut guns on the table in. And and so going going forward, you know, I did the festival every year, and eventually one year, uh, I guess it would have been two thousand three. I worked on a film called Blueberry Muffins, and the the mentor that they had attached to the project was Barry Brown, who was Spike Lee's editor, and that's how I met Barry. And and that October, Barry called me and asked me if I wanted to move to New York and assist him on a film called She Hate Me. So <laughs> that's my that's my story. <laughs> oh, well, that is that's fabulous. Yeah. You met Barry and that yeah. started you. Well, now you're you have you made that decision yeah. to go to New York. And we were actually when you moved, I, I'm thinking we were in the middle of one of, of a film. Were we were we filming something when you moved? When I moved to New York? Um but no, I don't think I was so shooting finished, anything. Yeah, shooting. Did, okay. did you work on Blueberry Muffins? It's like I, I, it's, I didn't. You didn't. I worked on different ones and a different film no, that year. Yeah. yeah, it's always difficult for me to because the thing about being in post production is that you you have very little con- direct contact with the day to day contact with the shooting crew, and right. so very often sometimes you can just forget like who was on a film that you were on, you know, because it's just like you know you're stuck in your own little world while the shooting's happening. but uh but yeah um yeah no i was uh i was really focused when i moved to new york i was in my last year at unm and i was extremely focused on trying to finish my undergrad degree because i thought i was gonna uh, go to graduate school at usc or nyu it's kind of what the path was that i was trying to work toward i had to drop out of unm to take the job with barry in october and so (laughs) and that was a whirlwind yeah, that it was, was a whirlwind. A whirlwind. It was, the time, from the time that I took the call to the time I moved out there, I think it was three weeks or something. Yeah, yeah I do remember that, and yeah. and I remember, yeah, it was it was interesting when you did leave, going out there, and then but hearing all the stories with Spike Lee and and Barry Brown, and then I think you even went to Italy for someone's wedding. Barry's wedding. That's Barry's right. wedding. That okay. Year. Yeah, that was that first year that after we finished uh, She Hate Me, yeah, we were out there. Uh, now actually it wasn't Italy. It was um it was France. It was France. in Provence. Okay. But but we did end up uh going out to Italy to shoot um Miracle at St. Anna with Spike a number of number of years later. I guess that would have been oh seven or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then you yeah, I've I've tried to keep in touch with you through the years, kinda know what you're doing because mm-hmm. it's fun to, you know, know what people are up to and, and plus when when Plush came out, mm-hmm. that was I just oh, Ryan, you're doing some great things here and and I think I don't remember. You did the cinematography also for Plush, didn't you? No, that was James Kwan, actually. That was James Kwan. It yeah. was great. I, now, I did, um, up to that point, there's actually very, the, the earlier parts of my career, I did shoot almost everything I did. I uh, shot my first few two features, my two first feature films I was a DP on. Jo- John Britt uh, did Most Likely to Succeed, which you and I worked on together. Right. And that was the prior to meeting James. That was the only time I had worked with a cinematographer uh, in making my own stuff. But then, yeah, plush was the first thing that James and I did. And then he'd later go on and do my last feature film, which is a film called hell's heart that, uh, that he did. And he's like, okay. and he continues to, I'm actually meeting with him after this to talk about some other stuff. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then great. we did the sci-fi Barry Brown sci-fi. That's right, you, yeah. I think you were, I was editing that. You were yeah. editing that. Yeah, See, and I was on, I, and I helped Barry put the shoot together. Okay. So I was there on on the set at the time. Yeah, and that was great to see you then because you came down from New York. Yeah, that was. I don't remember exactly when that was. I don't it was remember. probably after my. It was probably in my first year there. I imagine a year or two. Yeah, it was I don't pretty. Remember. Yeah, it was pretty quick after I left. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but then you've gone on and you've won awards for your films mm-hmm. for editing, and some of them have been in. 
in your here in Albuquerque mm-hmm. with the digital shootout, which is mm-hmm. it's uh, Duke City. The Duke City shootout. That's right. I think 2010 was the last one. Yeah. Okay. Then you have this other one out. Uh, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet <laughs> versus, versus the, living, the dead. living Dead. Oh yeah, <laughs> ten ten year anniversary. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. my goodness, yeah. that is that's a <laughs> wild film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a crazy one. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> Why don't you talk about that one a little bit? Because it's the the trailer is so interesting, and you're yeah. kind of trying to decide: is this going to be comedy? Is it going to be horror? Yeah. What is it going to be? Yeah, the film's trying to figure that out too. <laughs> uh, you know that that film was um. That film was crazy because it, it largely started off because uh, Jason Witter, who co-wrote that project and he starred in it, uh, he was doing he, – he had a comedy troupe here called Eat, Drink, and Be Larry that were doing a lot of um, comedy shows that were these sort of hybrids of Shakespeare and, and, uh, and science fiction or horror or something. I think they had done Hamlet the Vampire Slayer and they had done, <laughs> uh, done like Macbeth in Space, I think, recently. And, and he was talking about doing a, a stage project that was going to involve um, – I think the original thing was going to be like zombies of the Caribbean or something. But then I suggested that we do it with Romeo and Juliet. So we had the highbrow, lowbrow, and they were going to do it on stage. But then I, I booked Miracle at St. Anna with Spike and I had the summer off, but I was waiting for this job to start. And so we very quickly decided to put this movie together. This is something fun to do with our friends and shoot something. And uh, so we very quickly wrote that script and, and put these wheels in motion, got it shot before I left used just about every actor in town that we knew um, there a was huge a cast. Long list. it's a long it's quite it's <laughs> quite the time capsule of a certain of albuquerque local theater like at a certain time and anyway and we and you know we got the movie put together and i put it out into the world and it ended up getting to the edinburgh film festival which was you know to date like, my biggest premiere i've ever had on anything it oh was, congratulations yeah Ryan. it's crazy you know going out there with this film that you know, it was this crazy thing we were just experimenting with and going out there and being in this environment at Edinburgh, which is a major film festival. And you're like at parties with Sean Connery and these other people. And like, you know, you're here with this crazy zombie movie. Uh, but yeah, we're going to, uh, that movie is, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That movie is, yeah, that movie's a fond memory. I, uh, yeah, we're in, in fact, we were just, I was just talking last night to Jason about it. We're going to try to put it up on Amazon Prime here pretty soon to oh, are make, you? make it a little bit more available. It's, it's on iTunes right now. You can rent it on iTunes, but, uh, I think it'd be, if it's on Amazon Prime, it's be a little bit more available for everybody so. oh, well, i just have to do the subtitles for it so i have to <laughs> subtitle zombie growls and... we'll keep checking up on on prime mm-hmm. amazon prime video and then you moved on and now you are in this project you've produced several episodes of happy yeah i was an associate producer last season on happy yeah yeah, that that was quite the experience. That's a that's an amazing show, and I, I met great people doing. I did two seasons of that show, and met Brian Taylor, yeah. uh, who's a uh, you know the creative showrunner and and just general genius behind that show, and uh, learned a tremendous amount from him. And I met uh, Patrick McManus, who was uh, ran the writers' room and producer on that show, and um, looking forward to working with him in the future on some projects that are coming up. And it's yeah, that was an amazing. And now, so is it still airing or you guys have been trying to get it on Netflix, right? Well, it, yeah, sci-fi dropped it after the second season uh, and it 
there was some talk about, you know, because Netflix, we were Netflix original overseas, and uh, and I'm not in all the deal making close oh, to so that side of it, but but if, it. yeah, it's like my understanding of it is, is that Netflix, you know, they, they they were essentially, you know, financially into about half the show anyway, and so you know, there's all these. You know, without opening up a too big a can of worms about Netflix and the condition of the industry at the moment, but they're you know they're pretty public about the fact right now that they're trying to they're trying to create a lot of content that they own a hundred percent because the studio all these other streaming services are right. launching and they're going to be pulling their content off of Netflix and so Netflix needs to become more and more self sustained and and I I don't know where we would or wouldn't fit into that business model for them or, or you know um, but if you love Happy <laughs> uh, and you want to support it it's coming out the second season will probably come out on netflix in the spring i think oh, okay. and, and nothing would help get a third season of the show more than just everybody Getting watching it viewers so, yeah. well the actors have certainly been putting the word out also yeah yeah there's a, a vocal movement out there on twitter and you know it's you know it's uh you know it's a world out there you know like people if you make a big enough noise on social media and enough people are into something things can happen you know, but, uh, but you also have to, I mean, for all of us that work on the show, we have to kind of also emotionally let it go to a certain degree because you have to, uh, you have to move on and, you know, find, get the next project and, you know, and, and the thing that's the thing I, I loved happy as a, as a creative project, but the thing that's not gone is my relationship with the people that I work and that's with. Good. On what, that's yeah. great. And that's what I'm looking forward to. One of the things about you, Ryan, is you truly are a genuine person mm-hmm. and you don't have, I mean, I, I've seen you get upset, but I've never <laughs> seen, you know, I've worked with several directors mm-hmm. and producers and cinematographers and so on. And I've never, ever seen you lose your temper. You pretty much stay with it. You stay true to yourself. You stay true to the show. You just tell people, you know, flat out, well, your, your job is this mm-hmm. or whatnot. And it's always it was always fun working with you oh, that's and good observing to know. you and I know you haven't changed because you're sitting here with such a glorious smile on your face and, and your eyes sparkle and yeah. and you look absolutely great oh great thank yeah, you yeah very yeah, happy you. yes yes <laughs> um, yeah I'm always happy when I'm in Albuquerque uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it's it's you know I I. I think I've, I've generally not had a short fuse over my life, not just in filmmaking, but in general. But, you know, I, I, the experience of learning how to make feature films or, you know, direct a, a film set, you know, there's ups and downs and you always lose things and you wish you had done things differently on some, you know, productions and every production is hard. You know, I try to, when things go wrong on a set, not leaning too hard into the negative, but I, 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 you know, I don't want to take too much credit for having never, never quote unquote lost my temper. Cause I'm sure some people that have worked with me have been, I don't know, <laughs> you got pretty mad when X happened on da da da. And it's like, yeah, I, you know, but the, I think the, the key thing is, you know, when you, when things like that do happen on a film set is to be self-aware enough to try to calm yourself down and try to have some humility that, you may not understand the situation fully, you know, or, you know, just try to, to have the most sympathetic outlook you can towards sure. somebody in a situation sure. because every, particularly feature films, every production has problems. And, it, oh, and, and when you're talking about ultra low budget productions, they don't get done without a lot of people who are just there for the love of it, love of it and willing to, 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 to go the extra mile and, and, 
and honestly suffer a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's there's like, you know, when you're shooting a feature film on a low budget, there's always like just going to be physical challenges and miseries. And, you know, because you can plan as well as you thought, as well as, as for everything that you could possibly think of. But there's always like some weather that'll hit or it got too hot. And maybe you didn't think about the fact that, uh, or you just underestimated how long something was going to take a shoot and you're on some night shoot where you've got people waiting around for like six or seven or eight hours or something. And you're going as fast as, and when you're directing something and shooting something, everything seems to fly by. But when you're sitting around on a set waiting for something to happen, you know, so you have to kind of, the thing that always amazes me on anything I shoot is how my experience it's afterwards when I talk to people that were accruing or on the film in some capacity is like their experience of the project is totally different than mine. You know, like I'll hear something that somebody will say like, Oh, that day is when such and such happened. And so, and so, and so, and so really went at it. And so, and so almost quit and this happened. And I'm just like listening to them going, cause I was directing and at the monitors and maybe my producer was dealing with that. I just had no idea, you know? And so I'm always happy when I hear that somebody actually enjoyed themselves. <laughs> on the, cause like usually the time I'm out at the end of something, I'm like, Oh, wasn't that great. We just, you know, it was hard, but we all banded together and did this thing. But I'm sure like, you know, there's people on the crew going, oh, my God, thank God that nightmare is over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it was fun. There is one thing that about you that, as script supervisor, I would definitely recognize is your face. And it would be an obvious frustration. Attention. Oh. Yeah. And then I would, you know, as script supervisor, you kind of, well, you know, what can we do to alleviate whatever is happening? Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of look around to see what it was that, that upset. And, you, and it's usually some actor that... I was fooling around or something that, that uh, you needed them to get back and get focused. And that wasn't my job to get them focused. But right, yeah, well, actors, you know, like that's a perfect example of how like, you know, nobody stands around doing nothing on a set more than actors. And, right. like, and so you, you have to have a sympathy for what that's like. And, you know, they, you know, they have to stay engaged however they can, you know, but, uh, you know, but sometimes, yeah, like, you know, you're, Every because the second you from the second I step onto a set to the second I leave, it's like work, 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 get things done as quickly as possible. And then you turn around and like, you know, the actors are, you know, if they're not focused in, they're not doing so, they come there, maybe they're, they're, they're not complete, they're a little fuzzy on their lines or something. And you're just kind of like, everything just feels heightened, right? you know, but, uh, but in general, I love, I love the actors I work with. And it's like, I've had, I've had a lot of good luck. I don't have a lot of horror stories when it comes to the cast that I've worked with. No, you just have horror stories that you've written on That's your own right. with your creativity. That's and right. I'm so glad yeah. that you and your sister played those creative games when you were a child because that, and that is important, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there are the creativeness and, and putting a mic in front of your pretend mic, a stick and just playing it out or, like you said, and I remember, like I say, plush, <laughs> playing with our stuffed animals with my sister and my brother mm-hmm. and the types of imagination we would have on what those animals could do if right. they were alive. Yeah. It was like Jurassic Park coming alive in mm-hmm. our bedrooms. Yeah. So, but I, I won't say much more about plush. Yes. People just have to go. That bear it. is based on that Vincent. That was the name of my sister's teddy bear, actually. That's, that's oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So Vincent. Vincent. Oh, she named him Vincent. Mm-hmm. Was there a reason why she named him Vincent? I think she named it after the character. You remember that TV show Beauty and the Beast? Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman. It was. Oh my that. gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she was obsessed with that show when we were kids, <laughs> and like so, and I, I think that's where the name came from. Yeah. Wow, that was a while back. She still has that bear, actually. Still sits on her bed. 
Oh, well, now that... Bears older than their kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that you've used it, yeah. the name, you know, the lookalike and the, you know, I still have my Raggedy Ann and mm -hmm. I still have my, my teddy bear that my mom made for me. Yeah. That, con that connection never goes away. It doesn't. And it's, <laughs> it's nice to be sentimental and it's nice to have those. And when you do have connection and you're able to apply it in your work, yeah, that's an even grander prize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that you and I were talking about a few months ago is that you're looking at moving back to the West mm -hmm. because not because you're not because you're seeking jobs or because you're seeking a better film industry career, but because, and I just love this, but because you wanted to be closer to your parents mm -hmm. and a quicker flight to get here yeah. because it takes so much from New York to get down here. Mm -hmm. It's not just one yeah, it, it's uh, the the majority of your day becomes about it, it. Being able to come down for a three day weekend, you basically have to, you know, it's a, maybe like a, I mean, this it's a seven hour flight or something, but you add travel time to and from the airports. I mean, you basically spent a day going there and a day coming back, so you don't tend to make it for like a three day weekend or something. Right. So you know, and there's and New York's been great for me. Um, but for my sister, but for my sister who also lives here in Albuquerque and my parents, and then also just a lot of people I'm close to friends, uh, that are, e have either moved to Los Angeles or are still here in Albuquerque. Um, the, you know, a, a lot of, of my, uh, of that, that connection, family and friends is here on the West coast. And so it's just, it's just time. And, you know, the time is right in my career you know, in terms of where my contacts are and the kind of work that I'd like to be doing. And so everything just, just kind of come together for me to make the move now. So I'm yeah. going to be moving to Los Angeles probably next year. Well, and I think that's an inspiration for people who are listening who, you know, cause there are people who wonder about, well, should I move back closer? And then mm -hmm. years and years and years go by and then it's too late. Right. And, you know, and after losing my dad, it was just, I'm so glad I was here, mm -hmm. you know, and able to spend, I'm glad our family is a close knit family. My sister comes down a lot and my brother and you and I kind of had that conversation. And I told you that is just such an incredible decision to make, to be closer to your social circle, your family circle. Mm -hmm. And that is whom you are. And I think that's fabulous. There was uh, one of my episodes I did, it was a while back I had had this recorded conversation with Richard East, who is also known as Van Cat Meow. Mm -hmm. And he's from Australia. And he travels around Australia in a van, but is, he has several different positive imprints. Just an amazing person. But he loves his cat, and that comes through so clearly. Mm. Well, I got this email from this fellow from Pakistan who moved over to South Africa for his job. And he wrote me this email, and he said, oh, my gosh, this Richard East has inspired me through your podcast to go back to Pakistan and get my cat and my dog and bring them to South Africa where I'm working. Because if he can make a go at it with his beloved pets, I am too, because I it's miss amazing. them so much. Oh, Isn't that incredible? <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, so I, I love these little, you know, imprints and the connections. And, yeah, yeah, and the inspiration. Yeah. And, and you've made a lot of different immigrants. I remember we were filming and we were actually at, I think it was the bowling alley, but I, uh -huh. I, I, it's been so, so long, but I think it was at the bowling alley. It could have been out by Corrales, New Mexico, but there were a bunch of kids mm -hmm. that were around and you, they were just kind of there. And I don't remember what they were there for. It couldn't have been the bowling alley because we were there in the middle of the night. Yeah, it was late. So yeah. yeah, but I don't remember where we were. It could have been digital shootout. But anyway, mm -hmm. there were a bunch of kids 
And you made it a point, you were director on the film, and you were the DP, and we, you made it a point to go and kind of chat with the kids and then sent them on their merry way. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we made it. You know what? We might have been at the PBS affiliate here. Oh, K&ME. oh, at KME. Yeah. Something we were doing there. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And I just remember you doing that it was a while back. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, well, I'm, that's a nice story to hear about myself. I actually don't remember <laughs> that. It could have been my classroom. I don't think, but I remember you coming along because we were doing, I, I just, it's been a while, but you, you just have a lot yeah. that you've done. And, and there are things that, you will never know what you've done, like your your film, even though like Romeo and Juliet versus the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. I think that's just kind of an incredible little piece. Yeah. It's fun to watch. And there's entertainment in there. Yeah. There's also, you know, a little bit of a moral mm-hmm. in it. And sure. people are just gonna have to watch it so they can <laughs> figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting the way you you've woven that into it yeah yeah i um yeah yeah it's <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm formulating it how i would articulate the moral of romeo and Juliet now, but yeah. <laughs> it's there it's there it's yeah, there yeah, there's there's morals yeah there's, some kind yeah, yeah. and then one, one last thing that i really found intriguing you're doing these frosted windows photos oh yes yes. i love it it's so cool because (laughs) it kind of leaves us up the the viewer to our imagination as to what is is happening you'll leave a little descriptive piece as to what they were doing but before you read that piece you're looking at it and you're just yeah you're referring to you'd have to see this on my instagram it's funny like of all the projects i've the the trials and tribulations of filmmaking. I think that this photo series I'm doing on Instagram is probably my most artistically successful project. <laughs> yeah, I, in my office in New York on the job I'm on right now, I have a my, I have a frosted window, a large frosted window that that leads out onto the street, and uh, from the outside it's completely opaque. Uh, and so people will just on the streets of New York will just come and lean up against it and have these conversations or they'll take their coffee break or something. And, you know, they'll have these loud conversations and it almost sounds like they're in the room, but they can't hear what I'm doing. They can't see me. So it's so I started just like going up and I'd be standing inches away from the window and, and taking these photos of, of them smoking or doing whatever. And it's just the way that the light gets brought in it or is, whatever. It's, it's really it's really kind of great. And uh, so anyway, if you go to my Instagram, which I think is Ryan Denmark TS on instagram i believe uh, you can see what star. she's talking about yeah it's, yeah exactly um they're fun yeah they're I, a lot of fun i think i've taken like five of them or something like at a certain point i don't know how much variation there can be but and also it's just you know you have to wait for someone to do it i've got to have a i've got to be doing something in my day that allows me to stop get up yeah <laughs> and, go and start you know, spending two minutes to like composing some photograph while they're you know and they're uncooperative models. So. Well, listeners, if you want a really fun, <laughs> positive, interesting day, just go to his Instagram and look up those yeah. those uh, pictures. They're they're pretty awesome. They're just fun. Yeah. yeah. And it makes you really, for me, it really makes my imagination go as to what's going on. And then I go read your description. Yeah. People are really excited about it. I think it's called what I, I think it's just literally called like people who take their breaks against my frosted office window. Or yeah. Something like that is the name of the series. Yeah. Ryan, this has really been fun. Yeah, it was great. And hanging out. And we've got uh, Apricot Cobbler. Oh, so good. We, yeah. yeah. From uh, 
our tree, actually, apricots from the tree. And for a sea monkey project and for Lily out there in the Netherlands, Lily's plastic pickup, there is not a bit of plastic here. It's all dishwasher items. No, it's great. Well, well, these are plastic plates, but they're heavy duty. Yeah. They go into the dishwasher. No plastic utensils. We have glasses. Yeah. So everything is... We have Star Wars napkins. Star Wars napkins, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Ryan, what else is there that I've missed? Obviously, there's a million things to talk about. But yeah, I'm looking forward to moving out to LA and being closer and just being around and formulating new projects. And, you know, it changes. Gosh, it changes almost. I've written several things. I had a... I had a script uh, in the Nichols Fellowship Screenwriting Academy, Nichols Fellowship Screenwriting Competition that went to the uh, the uh, semifinal round there oh, that did very well. And, and that's got a lot of attention called Flying Objects that I'm um, trying to uh, to get off the ground. But and as well as several other projects, and, you know, it's all a it's all just a, a matter of finding the right people who are interested in the right project at the right time, you know, and that's just what filmmaking is it's a never ending struggle in that way. But, uh, but it's fun. And I'm very lucky to have my career as an editor to, you know, as a day job, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is very much in the industry and feel and it's filmmaking. And I, you know, wake up every day feeling like a filmmaker, you know, so I've been very lucky in that respect. Um, but yeah, the next big thing I'm looking forward to is, you know, moving, getting out to LA pretty soon and just continuing on with other projects and a new, new chapter. So, you know, it's been a, I, you know, I grew up in the military, so I used to move a lot. And having lived in New York for 16 years is the longest I've lived anywhere. And uh, was it 16 years you've been out there? Yeah, 2003 is when I moved. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. No. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's time for something new. I'm looking forward to it. Oh my goodness. Well, good luck to you, and I'm glad we're keeping in touch, and certainly... uh, Absolutely, and I'm looking to catching up on your podcast more. It's it's really, it's been great. Yeah, and I'll keep listeners updated on what you're doing, because they like to get updates every now and again on what guests are doing and what they're up to. Mm -hmm. So, Ryan, this is a blast. Yeah, this is great. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Well, Ryan, the best of luck. Thanks, listeners, for listening to Your Positive Imprint, the global variety show where people are sharing their inspiring positive imprints. Next week's episode features a prize fighter, inspiring others even during years of chronic pain and suffering. Music by Chris Knoll. Visit chrisknoll.com. And hey, follow me, Your Positive Imprint, on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter, What's Your P.I.? Head over to my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, and sign up for email updates, read the blog, listen to other episodes, or send me an email with your feedback or questions. I'd love to hear from you. You can also listen to all of my episodes from iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. My podcast is free, but please support me by hitting the five stars and by writing a review. Download my episodes. Hit that follow or subscribe button from whichever platform you're listening from. And of course, thanks for listening to Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.?